are listening to Out of the Box with Rosie Tran. Out of the Box is sponsored by HugMeTees.com. Spread love, give a hug, HugMeTees.com. Guys, we are on Stitcher, iTunes, and SoundCloud, but we don't have that many followers on SoundCloud, and it's a very sad page. So go on out of the SoundCloud.com slash Out of the Box Podcast and click on the follow button and give us a couple more followers. Our listenership has been growing on SoundCloud, but our followers are still sad, sad face. So um, as always, if you enjoy the podcast, go on iTunes.com, Out of the Box Podcast, and click on the subscribe button. Subscribers also make us very, very, very happy. Um, I am excited today because I have a very funny comedian, veteran comedian, national headliner, and also um, he's working on a self-help book um, to be released soon, um, Jackson Purdue. Jackson, how are you? I'm very well, thank you for having me. <laughs> On the fabulous Rosie Tran show. Uh, Jackson looks scared like he's been locked into a Hello Kitty dungeon because I have my Hello Kitty balloons over his head from my recent birthday. And he's probably wondering why a grown woman has Hello Kitty balloons. But that's between me and my Hello Kitty I know Asian women. I'm not surprised at all. As a matter of fact, I came in and said, hey, where's the Hello Kitty stuff? There it was. Um, I wanted to talk to you about a couple things because we shared some interest. Um, Jackson and I just did a gig together and he was talking in the car about a lot of the stuff that I preach on the podcast, which is personal development, self-help and kind of healing yourself um, instead of going to the external world. And you mentioned something about living the aloha life as your goal and your aspiration. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, for me, living aloha... Well, aloha means unconditional love. You know, aloha is such a, a beautiful word. I'm into language because, you know, if, if you could language something, if you could name it, you could aspire to be that thing. You know, so actually I keep a spiritual vocabulary in my little journal and, and aspire to be those things. But aloha uh, means unconditional love, and it's such a beautiful word, and it's used as a greeting and, you know, goodbye. So that's saying I love you unconditionally as you come and go. Namaste is probably the closest thing to that. I mean, we have nothing in the English language that, you know, approximates that sums it that. up like that. Yeah. It's like, hey, what's up? You know, so that's what we got here. <laughs> right. So, so living aloha is about living unconditional love, you know, so and unconditional love means unconditional love. You know, your dog knows about it. You don't know about it, but, but you know, that's, uh, and living my highest truth. And my prayer is that, you know, I pray to, you know, to be the best me that I can be so I can serve in the best and highest way. And so that, that's my thing. You talked about switching from the sales model to the service model. I, I talked a little bit about this in the car, but so for those of you listeners who don't know, um, I was, I think I talked about this on another podcast. I'm not sure if it was my podcast or another podcast, but I talked about shifting from being a performer and getting attention for myself, which you talked about as a sales model and shifting into service, which is I decided, hey, you know, it's not just going to be about me. I'm going to be bringing people love and happiness and and, and joy but, through laughter and performing instead of doing stand-up to get laughter and attention for myself. And I think the way you explained it was really eloquent. And Yeah, and that's and what you just described, and, and that's called giving a performance. That's a very altruistic... Uh, place to be uh, because otherwise you're not giving the performance you're there to get 
the laughs. Hey, they're not giving me the laugh. You know, like, they're not giving me. <laughs> so therefore, I, I have to be frustrated, angry, and pissed. And, and that's that language of the ego. The language of the ego says, if I don't get what I want right now, I therefore have to be angry and frustrated and uh, desperate and like that. And that's what happens when the laughs aren't coming and, you, and you're in that mode of thinking. So the flop sweat comes. But when you're giving a performance and you're just giving it away and you're not result-minded you know, then you're not sweating it out, you know, and, you know, you know, they could laugh or they could not laugh. And that's the same with love. You know, you give somebody some love if they don't return it fine, you know, because it's never a mistake to love somebody or love something, you know, it's going to come back to you in a different form, maybe not the one you want it from, but it will come back. And with a love thing, I say that you have to be a love billionaire and give it away. And uh, that's how you are uh, sure that nobody's going to steal it or take it from you, you know, and it, it depends how, because the only love that you have to give anybody is your overflow. You know, if you don't have self-love, you have no love to give anybody. You know, the stuff that's overflowing on the top of your head, that's the stuff that you share with other people. But with the whole, and that's one of the reasons I agreed to do your podcast when you, you know, when you articulated that to me, because that's so, you know, that's so unusual. And I think that's a real higher consciousness place. So, you know, kudos to you for being in that place. But as I told you then, you know, as long, you know, for me, who's been doing this for 36, seven years, you know, you have to change your definition of success if you want to keep doing it and stay sane. Because, you know, again, when you first start, it's all about ego. It's all about, you know, I'm going to, you know, get my TV show. I'm going to get my movie. You know, and, so it's yeah. kind of like taking the arrow and reversing it from having the arrow of energy point towards you to having it point out you're pouring it out you're you're giving you're you're pushing the energy in an opposite direction you're not necessarily changing anything about your personality you're just changing the the flow of the energy right it's all about the flow of energy and that's what it is uh when you are really cooking on stage it's that exchange of energy you know you're you know it's like a, a good tennis game or ping pong game you know you're hitting it they're hitting it right back to you, you bang 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 man that's exciting that's great that's that's good for them that's good for you that's a that's a win-win but the thing is sometimes you're just not going to get a crowd that's responding how you'd like them to respond for whatever reason you know and i i say there's a type a crowd and a type b crowd the, t- the type a crowd they're real you know vocal and loud and they laugh you know out loud and they're having a great time there's a type B crowd. They're just not that verbal or vocal. They're just kind of mellow, but they're having just as good a time as a type A crowd. And if you stop and go, hey, man, you guys suck, and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> they're going, hey, what's this guy talking about? We're, we're having a great time, you know? I learned that lesson. I did a show where this guy really looked like he was going to rush me on stage. He looked pissed. He looked miserable. And this is when I really learned about my judgments. I got off stage and I confronted him. I said, look, sir, you didn't laugh at anything I said. Like, what's going on? And he actually thanked me and said that he really needed the laugh and he had had a horrible day. He said, I couldn't bring myself to smile. I was judging him thinking he had a, he was yes. judging me. He hated me. Yes. He thought I was awful. And he actually thanked me and said, I, I brightened up his day and he just had one of the worst days ever and he couldn't bring himself to physically laugh. Well, yeah. See, my, my story on that, I was working uh, on the East Coast and there was this Indian family, you know, Hindus sitting in the front. They did not laugh or smile <laughs> at one word I said. And I did, I, you know, I was going to bust them on it, but, you know, that, oh, fuck that. You know, I just let me just keep going. You know, applaud <laughs> I, I just totally shine it on. So I get off stage. I'm talking to the owner of the club. They come up. I think they're going to say what a bad time they had or whatever to the owner, you know. They're like, you changed our lives. 
That's exactly <laughs> verbatim. That's what they said. You changed our lives. <laughs> what? It was fantastic. And they were just overflowing with kudos. I'm like, oh my god. You know, <laughs> where were you when I needed you? And even even t- you know even now sometimes uh, you know when you get off you don't think you did that well and you know people applaud heartily. Yeah, or you get a standing ovation or something like. Are you guys watching the same show I was? But you—that's the thing about being a communicator. You never, and I mean never, know how this stuff is resonating with somebody out there. You never. I mean, I've had people come up and thank me for saying certain things, and and again, you you know, you just never know. You know, uh, I know when I talk about no sex in the marriage and all that kind of real uncomfortable stuff. I know it's hitting home. I know it's resonating. I know people are going, hey, I can't laugh at this shit. Not when I'm, you know, sitting, yeah, this is too true for us. And, you know, and I've had people come to me, oh, were you in our bedroom? You look like you were sitting on our bed. You've been sitting on our bed? You're listening, you know? So it's like that, you know? So you, but again, you never know how anything resonates. But, you know, you got to put your, put your thing out there. And, you know, and now I, I find I, I feel freer as a uh, uh, performer, when I sometimes think of myself as a teacher more than a comic, mm-hmm. then it gives me in my own head more license to say some things I want to say that aren't necessarily ha-ha funny, but, you know, th- points I want to make. Because as a comic, you know, there's all kinds of different kinds of comics. And who was it that said, oh, it was Mark Twain said that, you know, I'm paraphrasing here. He said, uh, you know, when you're a, a humorist, uh, it, if you're a preacher and a teacher, you're fucked. <laughs> but but if you're not a preacher and a teacher, if you're not those things, you'll never be remembered. You that know, so it's that point. paradox that, you know, you have to walk that line of saying something and then not being too heavy. Like, you know, that was always the dilemma for me that to walk that line, to learn how to walk that line. It's not, you know, when you have a truth to say, you don't want to come feel like you're coming down off the fucking mountain, you know, <laughs> with a tablet laid in. There it is. So I'm like, I've been up to the mountain. Here's the tablet. You know, this is it. You know, to, but to kind of just be able to come down with the truth and just kind of set it on the table like your car keys and, you know, let your dog come up, let them come up and sniff it and go, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, you know, kind of, you know, like, like you put the pill in some hamburger when you feed your dog, you know, <laughs> you know, put the, put the message in, in the, the hamburger, cheese, right? yeah, yeah, and then feed it to them that way, you know, but speaking your truth is the thing, you know. A lot of comics do that and I got to, you know, I, I really like that sometimes. I've seen some urban comics who... It seems kind of like they're doing ghetto humor, but then you listen to what they're saying. They're really making some political points or some sociopolitical points. And they're just kind of, like you said, sugarcoating it a certain way or making it seem a certain way. And I like that. Um, I want to mention something that we talked about in the car because you're talking about, again, reversing the energy from taking to putting out. And, And we talked about, you know how important that energy shift is because you and I, you know, you've obviously been in the business a lot longer than I have, but I've been in the business enough long enough to see certain friends or colleagues of mine rise to the top very quickly and then sometimes fall very quickly. And if you're in that take, take, take model, it doesn't matter how much fame, how much success you have, it's never going to be enough because you're trying to fill a void as a comedian when you're, when the arrow of energy is going towards you. In the ego, feeding the ego. Well, as we discussed in the car about the power of now, which is, you know, one of my secular Bibles and one of the books that really changed my life. Um, you know, here's my favorite quote about books. You know, they say a good book entertains you and a, a, uh, uh, 
a superior book entertains you and educates you, but a great book changes who you are. And that's what The Power of Now did for me. That book really changed my life. And, and he's talking about The Power of Now from Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, and it's just really regurgitated Zen philosophy. You know, that's just really old. But um, what were I got, got off track. What were we saying? Um, you were talking about how awesome books will change your life. And I was talking about was, how no matter how much fame. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. So what Eckhart Tolle says, one of, one of the things, the main takeaways I take from The Power of Now is that when he says no external will ever be your salvation. No, nothing outside of yourself. I mean, happiness and fulfillment is an inside-out job. So no check, no gig, no sex, no nothing outside of yourself will ever fulfill you. And if it It's did, a temporary. It does fill you, but it, very temporary. Very temporarily. But, you know, you just have to look at, you know, history. And if being rich and famous made you happy, then Marilyn Monroe and Elvis Presley would have been the happiest people who ever fucking lived on this planet. Who, who, who who's any richer or who had all the externals? They were richer, you know, better looking and and more famous than anybody. And they were both fucking miserable. They died young and they both died unhappy. You know, so you know, again, you have to define what success means to you. Here, Michael Jackson, one of the greatest artists on stage, but you know what? He knew nothing about the art of living well. You know, because the guy could not fucking sleep. When you can't sleep at night, then you're not living right. You know, so he, he was a terrible artist off stage. You know, he didn't know about the art of living, which is the, you know, and, you, and you're more off stage than you are on stage. So it would behoove you to know what the fuck, what to do <laughs> off stage. And apparently he didn't know that because he, you know, he, he came to his own demise and that, that shit he had to profile he had to drink every night. I think a lot of these people have a desire, and this goes into the your book. They have the desire to love and give and share, but they just don't know how to do it. Like Michael Jackson, if you listen to the second half of his career, because he wanted to do inspirational music, and he said, well, I'm going to do pop music first because nobody's going to buy this inspirational crap. And the second half of his career, you know, black and white, we are the world, all, all this stuff. It was all inspirational and positive towards the world because he really wanted to give a positive message, yet he wasn't healed and hold inside. And that's why it kind of didn't work out. And the same thing with some of these other celebrities who have committed suicide. They really wanted in their heart to have this positive message or to push this positive thing, but that they themselves inside weren't hold and heal and, and, and fixed, quote unquote. So they really didn't know what they were doing. And you talk about this with with the relationships. Well, again, the, my you know what I wrote in my book called "Man on Fire," and th- that that title is from a Buddhist quote that says a man should not seek enlightenment unless he seeks it like a man on fire seeks a bucket of water. So with to, passion, right? Yeah, to you know you have to be have a real sense of urgency. You know, yeah. Buddha said, "Hey, don't fucking waste my time, dude. You know, <laughs> you know, come to me, <laughs> really wanting to know this shit, or you know, take a walk." You know. <laughs> So, I, and I came to it like that because, you know, it, the subtitle of my book is uh, uh, The Manual to Survive a Broken Heart because it was unprecedented that I, I had this broken heart. And, I mean, I was in so much pain that I had to run down the street like Richard Pryor, like I was on fire. And I actually start to howl like a wounded dog because just to get that pain off me, it felt like there was a, a an entity on me, like I was literally on fire. I mean... The pain body yeah, was overtaking Yeah, the you. pain body was totally overtaking me. So, you know, my biggest epiphany about that time was, which I say in my act, it's not that people don't want to love, it's they just don't know how. And once you realize that, you can't be mad at anybody anymore. You can't play that victim role anymore. I mean, all these people in your past who, 
you know, should have loved you the way you wanted to be loved or could have, would have, should have, deserved to be loved. They really wanted to. They just didn't know how, and, and either did you. Now, you when know. you say they didn't know how, you're talking about people, you know, the divorce rate, people coming from broken homes. They didn't homes, know how to problem solve. Come, they didn't know yeah. how to give. They didn't know what that, you know, the give and take entails. They didn't know. Here, here it is in a nutshell for me. Uh, and I tried to get in, this into my ex-girlfriend's head. She never got it. That's why she's my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a part of it I got from Del Carnegie about the three C's and the three A's I made up myself. Del Carnegie said... You know, don't do the three C's, those uh, which are don't complain, criticize, or condemn. Your okay, my lover, spouse, whatever. Yes, yeah. about anything. Don't complain, don't criticize, don't condemn. You know, that, 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 that's nothing. The three A's, which I came up with, which my girl, ex-girlfriend could never do, allow people to be who they are, accept people for who they are, and appreciate people for who they are. I think a lot of people have an issue with number two i see so many people getting into relationships thinking well he or she's okay but once i'm done with them i'll fix them or i'll whatever right you know that's some real disney shit now you know <laughs> and i mentioned that in my act you know that no that you know that's it's it's true because that's that's socialization and that's and that's what don mcgill and uh ruiz talks about in his four agreements they call that the matote that's the socialization you know all your life what you know your school, your parents, you know, the fucking just the world has been telling you to do it this way. You know, so the only education we have, and I, you know, again, when I had my heartbreak time, this is what I came to is we have no education when it comes to love. The only education we have is fairy tales, all this Walt Disney smoke, they blow up your ass about living happily ever after. And I say that I am finally out of the knight in shining armor business since I finally <laughs> realized you cannot save, change, or fix anybody except yourself, and that I have no more interest in saving any more damsels in distress, and I'm looking for one of those happy damsels <laughs> and one who has their own horse so she can go right off in the sunset beside me. Not behind of weigh, you. <laughs> uh, not weighing my pony down, all right? And so... And then they tell little girls this, this is what I wrote in the book, yeah, they tell little girls, you know, someday your prince will come, you know? Well, there are thousands of women over 40 on Match.com will tell you, that's some bullshit, right? And, and, and that's, again, the socialization, the matote. I remember, you know, and again, I put this in the book, there was a time where these feminists were picketing uh, Cinderella one day in this theater in Hollywood. I was, and my first impression when I saw it, I was like, oh, come on, you fucking dykes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, go home and iron your flannel shirts and you know polish your work boots. You know, it's a, it's, like a, it's a fucking cartoon, all right. But then the more I thought about, it, I say hey, these these women are right, you know, because they bought into that shit. Someday your prince will come as little girls, and now they are full grown adults, and now they're pissed, and and you shouldn't put that message out. You know, the message I say that Disney should be telling our kids: if you want to live happily ever after. Learn to get happy with yourself first, and then it really doesn't matter who shows up because you are the love that you're looking for. And I put that on my CD, and that's the thing I like about my CD the most because that's my main message. And just to get that out there, I don't care who laughs at it or not, that's, that's what I learned. That's the crux of it. You are the love that you're looking for. And, you know, people need to get that. That is so true. I think everyone can relate to what you're talking to as far as that physical pain. I went through a breakup, and it took me seven years to get over it and I remember waking up in the middle of the night and literally having the feeling of pressure on my chest yes. as if some as if it was hollow or if something was pressing against my chest 
And it was, I would go around and, you know, everyone that knows me says, oh, you're so positive. You're always so happy. And yet I had this feeling of pressure and emptiness on my chest. And it wasn't until I started doing personal development work and and working on healing myself that I realized that it was because the way that we create attraction. So for those of you who don't know, the, the way that you're attracted to people psychologically is that you have certain positive characteristics from your parents, both negative and positive, and then you're attracted to those positive and negative characteristics in a mate to make yourself feel whole. And um, the purpose of relationship and and children and other things is a self-reflection so you can self-actualize yourself, so you can create yourself and heal yourself to become whole by attracting those and fixing them. Dr. Drew talks about this when he talks about, you know, women who who keep attracting the same asshole like their dad, right? They keep attracting it and attracting it and attracting it because they haven't fixed those those negative holes from the past, so it keeps coming to them. Well, that's so you know that's a phenomena that they have a name for, it, and it's it's called going home. Yes, you know, so you're going home. But as Eckhart Tolle would say about relationships, he says that relationships aren't in your life to make you happy. Relationships are in your life to make you conscious. Yes, then happy, absolutely. Happy is just the byproduct. But nobody's going to come into your life if you're not happy now. Nobody's going to come into your life and then make you happy because you know when they go away, you're not going to be you're happy unhappy. anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's all you know. It's all it's all an inside out job. And you know when you speak of healing, that's one of the epiphanies I had during that time uh, when I was in that place that that hurting that pain play in Pain State University. That's what I <laughs> That's what I call the, the true, uh, you know, higher learning institution. But uh, yeah, that uh, that pain place again. I spaced that was I forgot what I was going to tell you. You were you were in a lot of pain, and that's one of your epiphanies that you had. Mm. Well, <laughs> went out of my head, and it'll come back in. Yeah, that's, that's what happens when you're old people. Well, you, and you've been smoking weed. That's, <laughs> that's what happens. Well, you were talking about being a channel, and this is something that I think we all have the capacity to be. You were saying when you wrote your book, it was as if God or some other being was channeling the information through you. It was a vessel, you. and that's how I feel about stand-up, and, and that's what I say. A lot of stand-ups have said that, that they, uh, feel when I leave they don't my, know where the material yeah. is coming from. Well, sometimes. you know what? I Before I go down to do the gig, I'm in Vegas or whatever, and before I leave my room, I stand at the door and say, okay, you know, come through me with love and light, you know, and I get out of the way and... There's a comic named A.J. Jamal I was working with. He's a great comic, and I was working with him on the cruise ship, and uh, we're talking about this, and I didn't like the previous set. And he said, you know what I do? I, I, I put it all on God. I say, you know what? You, you know what, Lord? I'm taking this show off. You do this one. You know, so I adopted that. You know, so I would say, you know, Lord, yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm taking this night off. You, you do it, you know? And then I, so I just surrender. So my ego is totally in the back, you know? And so that really frees me up because it's not me. It's about not me anymore, you know. So that that you, yeah, it comes through you. But it, yeah, with my book, yeah, that was a real mystical experience. That whole thing, the whole point, that whole part of my life when I had that broken heart, because that was unprecedented. I had never had a broken heart like that like before, that. where I was in that much pain. I had never jumped in all the way with anybody fully like that. And when was this? About ten years ago, you said. Yeah, it was about ten years ago, and uh, you know. It's all perfect. I mean, so many lessons. Oh, that's what I was going to tell you. Uh, that's when I realized at that time that this world is in such sore need of healing. You know, that's what it's about here on this earth, on this earth plane. I think it's about uh, 
you know, self-mastery and healing. That's why we're here to heal. And, and when you really get that concept of healing, what healing entails, you see it all around you, who people who need some healing. Oh, man, that person just, you know, poor devil just needs some, you know, really needs some healing, some, some aloha, you know, yeah. some uh, unconditional <laughs> love. You gotta, because, you know, you can never heal anything by criticizing it. You know, you can only shine light on dark places. You know, that's what heals something. But when you, you know, criticize and finger point, that doesn't heal anything. That drives it further in. Like when you don't approve of somebody's particular sexual proclivities or whatever, they don't stop doing that. They don't stop, you know, taking it in the ass. They, they just go underground with it, you know. And that's what happens. So people just take their shit underground. But, you know, if you could, uh, you know, uh, learn to you know, leave somebody in love. Like the Hawaiian thing is called mahalo pow. And mahalo pow means thanks, I'm done. You know, but thank you for everything you brought into my life. You know, all the lessons I learned, you, you know, from you. Uh, and, but now I'm done. I wanna... And that's a lot better than, hey, fuck you. I'm out of here and you're a fucking asshole. And uh, gee, I don't know what I ever saw in you and all, all those recriminations, you know. I, I want to talk about something that you mentioned because it's it's so much needed i mean obviously the healing is something that we that we need as a society in general because a lot of the things that we're taught like you said are not about necessarily love and and light and things like that but you talked about your epiphany you're sitting in monterey looking at the ocean and um the reason i want to bring up this story is because um you know it's very easy to love and and be passionate and be happy around positive people but this world, there's sometimes a lot of negative people, a lot of negative situations, and you still have to be compassionate and, and love and see people's greatness in a negative situation. And you talked about, you know, having this epiphany by the sea. Yeah, that's when I was working in Monterey. And uh, again, Monterey is one of the most beautiful places, you know, scenically in the country. And I was sitting there, you know, appreciating all this beauty. And then this inner voice said, you know, yeah, you know, you could appreciate this obvious beauty, but can you, can you really see, look deeper and, you know, see beauty in other places where it's not so obvious? And so I told myself, okay, well, I will, you know, I'll work on that, Lord, you know, whatever, you know, acknowledge that voice. So that the very next thing my eyes came in contact with when I looked down was a pile of dog shit. <laughs> and so I decided I would not get up off this bench until I could find something of beauty in that pile of dog shit. You know, it took me a little while, but finally, I like I told you, uh, you know, the texture maybe and the, the relief of the artist and this and that. But, I, you know, I managed to find something of beauty in that pile of dog shit. And then the I had an epiphany what the lesson was about, that if I could find beauty in a pile of dog shit, how could I not find that in the most difficult person I encounter and and I still fail at that all the time, of course. <laughs> but it's a it's a good goal. No, it's a it's a good one. And uh, you know, I remember uh, I remember applying it one time when I was uh, arguing with this woman uh, at the airport. Uh, you know, uh, over a ticket. You know, she was a TWA lady or whatever, whatever airline it was. You know, and and she was just a real bitch. <laughs> and I've had to think. You know, and I was, you know, and she actually bared her teeth at me. I reported. I'd never report anybody. But I actually went there. <laughs> she bared her teeth at me like a vampire. Like. <laughs> <laughs> she was having some kind of mental breakdown, you know. Okay. I'm like, oh my god! Like I never, but has ever bared their teeth at me like an animal. Like she actually did that physically, and you know. And I was like, and then I thought of that dog shit thing. I said, okay, well, you know, I have to look in there and 
and see what you know what beauty I could find in, in the my Hawaiian spirituality called the Kanapono. One of the main tenets is that the question you have to ask yourself in a situation is, what do I need to love about this situation? So that's a big question. And there's another concept called lokahi, which means to find the commonality uh, within, you know, the people who are beef, got a beef. You know, and if you can't find any commonality, there's always one you can find. And that is we're just both souls here on this plane you know, trying to do the best we can. You got to give them that. You go, yeah, Bob's an asshole in every other fucking way. There's, we, got nothing, <laughs> we got nothing in common. But yeah, we do have that in common, you know, that we are just both souls here trying to work it out, you know, trying to heal, trying to, you know, transcend. And so that's the commonality that you could, the bottom line, you know, so. And I never, I never necessarily completely write someone off because you, you just literally never know. You know, I've dealt with people who You might need just... to use them later on in life. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. I need them. Yeah. No, that's not what I meant. But sometimes people are going through some really dark stuff and it has nothing to do with you. And uh... Most of the time it has nothing to do with you. And that's why the Four Agreements is my other secular Bible. And don't take things personal. Don't as- <laughs> the two go to, uh, get together. Don't assume and don't take it personally. If you could just... Do those two, it would save you so much time and energy of not going to crazy town because they go, they, they're like first cousins. One, you don't do one without the other. You know, you see somebody in the street that you know they don't acknowledge you, and then you start assuming, hey, what's up with Bob? You know, he didn't say, you know, he's pissed up. Blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, you got this big fucking story in your head that's nothing but a story that you just made up. You know, first you assumed, and the next thing you did was take it personally. They bang, bang, that they go left and right. Or sometimes someone is mad at you, but the situation really isn't about what it seems like, for example. It's not about you. Let me, let me interject. Okay. <laughs> let me interject that. You're Dama, like, I got good stories. <laughs> Demer, Don McGill says, to the point that even if they name you and go, you, Rosie Tran, are a fucking idiot, even at that extreme point, it's still not about you because they're still talking through their filters and their lens. If you asked a hundred, you know, a thousand people, not everybody would say that. So even if they name you, that person just don't like you. That's about them. That's a, it's just about as much about them as it is about you. It's more about them than it is about you. So even in that extreme, when they name you Bob Johnson, you're a fucking asshole, still don't take it personally. But that takes discipline because our ego sucks us in. Your pain body wants the fucking the confrontation drama. Yeah. and the drama. And see, people, that's the such a valuable concept to learn for people if you knew the power now to learn about the pain body. And, you know, I've named my pain body Slim Shady. <laughs> You know, because they say your pain body is formed when you're at a weak point in your life. When you, you know, and that for me, that's when I was a skinny little boy, you know, and I was weak and, you know, I was vulnerable as a a weak person, you know, skinny little boy. And, and then, you know, then it's your shadow side as well. So slim, shady. (laughs) And, and, and I've made friends with slim shady. You have to make friends with your pain body. You can't, again, you can never heal your pain body by pointing fingers at it and criticizing it. It gets that stronger makes it worse. that way. Exactly. You know, you have to shine the aloha. You have to shine light on that, you know, and, and welcome that in. But you know what? That's more of an Eastern thought than a Western thought. Because in the West, our thing is about avoidance. That's why people are so fat and they eat their feelings, you know, and take drugs. And, you know, our, our thinking here in the West is, you know, avoid the pain, whatever you did. All, you know, eat this, smoke this, drink that, this medication. Buy the, this. Yeah. In the East, their thing is you invite, you invite the pain in just like, you know, your mother-in-law. You're not happy to see it at your door. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you invite it in and you ask it what it wants, you know, and then when it, you get the message, it leaves. And before we came in, I was telling you about my fear. Can I share that? With yes, you? yes, yes, yes. This is a big epiphany. And I, was, and I was thinking about this on the way here. You know, I ride this Vespa. And a lot of times, you know, I'm riding around stoned <laughs> and I'm riding with my headphones and I'm riding with my music on too. But and the reason I ride the thing is because it's just so much fun. Like I told you, it's like riding a jet ski on, on the land, right? And so anyway, uh, one time I was seized with fear. Just fear came over me. I started, you know, I started getting shit in my head about, oh, we're going to crash and somebody's going to kill me, blah, 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 blah. So I was overcome with fear to the point where my body froze up, you know, and I certainly wasn't having fun. You know, I mean, I was paralyzed with fear. And I, because and, I was resisting the fear, I was avoiding, I was just trying to fight the fear off, but it wasn't working. So I just got in that state. And I, and again, the only reason I do the thing is because it's fun. I and mean, I certainly wasn't having fun. So I had to, instead of resist the pain, I had to invite the, the fear in, rather. And so I asked the fear, what do you want? You know, well, fear, what are you trying to tell me? And fear said, I'm telling you, it's dangerous out here. Be very, very careful. Be very alert. And then I said, well, gee, that's a great message, Fear. Thank you. Thank you for looking out for me, you know. And so you're an ally. And so when I made that consciousness shift, my it was a palpable change in my body. I was rigid and tight when I had the fear. But when I said, hey, thank you, Fear, and thanks for that lesson. And you know what, Fear? I am going to pay attention. Uh, thank you, you know. And I saw it as like one of my best friends would tell me that, hey. But, you know. And I made it an ally. And even to this day, when that voice starts to creep up in my head when I'm on the Vespa and I hear the fear coming, I thank it before it even could start. I go, I hear you. I got it. You know, thank you for being there. You're part of my team now, fear. And thank you. I, and I got the warning. I'm going to be, pay, uh, be paying attention. So now fear is part of my crew. Watching it, out for you. Very valuable, you know, because, you know, you could use your fear, you know, if you're not resisting it, but asking it what it wants. If and you're not letting it paralyze you or overcome yes, you. Yes, just yeah. listen to its lesson, what it has to tell you. And it's probably trying to protect you. You know, it might be an overprotected Jewish mother. You know, <laughs> uh, okay, I got it. I shut the fuck up and go away. All right, I'm working over here, right? But uh, again, it's about flowing with things. I don't know if you're f familiar with Abraham Hicks. I am. Yes. Well, one of the most valuable things I got from her, she says, you know, it's everything that you want is downstream. You know, don't be palling upstream, you know. And so that's what it is. It's, it's about going with the flow in this lifetime, you know. And everything you do need is downstream. If it's upstream, you don't fucking need it, you know. And for me personally, see, I always claim I just want what's mine by divine right. You know, what it's meant to be for me. And what's, gonna, and what's meant for me, I'm going to get it. And what's not meant for me, I don't want it, you know? And so, and I'm a very simple person, so I don't need a lot. And I have made a deal with God that he doesn't need to give me everything I want in order to be happy, you know? As long as you have everything you need right now, and I have everything, I have enough money today, I have enough health today, I have enough love today, I got everything I need to be happy today. It's only when you start time traveling that's a recipe for a mind fuck. Yeah. And especially when you start asking yourself negative what if questions in the future. You know, what if this doesn't happen? What if it's always this conversation about scarcity and lack. They said over 90, I think 7 or 98% of worries never even materialize. Well, that's, you know, that's one of my favorite Mark Twain lines when he said, I've suffered many terrible things in my life, some of which have actually happened. So, you know, 
<laughs> oh, that's so deep. That's fucking deep. I, that's one of my nuggets that I think of a lot. You know that. Uh, yeah, these things, and, that, and that's what they say. The lesson for uh, for suffering is, and he talks about this in the power now. The, the the reason suffering is in your life as a lesson is to teach you that you don't need to suffer. But the paradox is you have to suffer to learn the lesson. <laughs> you know, you need to get wet to realize you don't need to get wet. You know, yeah, I don't have to jump in that fucking pool. I can walk around the puddle. But you need to get in there to f- realize that. So that's what suffering's about. It's all, it's so much of suffering is self-created. You know, again, with a lot of negative what-if questions in the future. You know, and people do that. And, and also what he says is so true is, that compulsive overthinking is is a disease. It is. And I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. But first, I wanted to actually back up something that you mentioned. Um, Jackson was talking about Eastern versus Western philosophy, avoiding and, and inviting um, these type of negative feelings and experiencing them. And actually, that is psychology science 101, that if you avoid your feelings and push them down, they are eventually rear their ugly head back up and get but not the way you think sometimes and when you deal with feelings and emotions then actually they dissipate and go away so um what he's saying here is really really healthy for those of you out there who are thinking oh you know i gotta deal with this and i don't want to let me just put it in the back door the the sooner that you deal with these issues the better also uh jackson mentioned you know even if someone calls you out by name and says, you know, you're an asshole, it has more to do with them than you. You know, I've heard some arguments from some of the podcast listeners who don't really understand this concept. Jackson is not saying don't, that doesn't mean take responsibility, don't take responsibility for yourself. It's all about them. He just means don't take it personal. Is that right? Yeah. Don't take it personally. Yeah. So still take responsibility. You could still be an asshole. You know? <laughs> you know? But uh, yeah, yeah. Don't take it personally. You're just an <laughs> asshole. Okay. <laughs> still take responsibility for yourself and your your reaction for people. You know, if you're being a jerk, you know, don't say, "Well, that's all about him. It has nothing to do with me." Still look at yourself and keep examining yourself for that self healing. But don't take it personal. Right. Well, you need your own. Everybody just needs their own approval. You know, that's that's what that's about. But uh, you know, you know. Again, what we talked about living well is an art form. You know, that's we're all artists out here. That's what you know. Don Gill talks about the, he, you know, they call him a, a spirit artist down there. You know, and that's what it's about being a spirit artist, and uh, and, and that's what we're all doing out here, creating and you know, and, and and the bottom line for me is just about love. You know, everything's about love. Everybody wants love. That's why people want money and power. They just want some love. You know, they, they want it to buy love. Or well, to, they think yeah. that's going to, that's, you know, means to an end. They think, but the end is always about just people want to be loved and approved of and, and heard and, and, and heard and all, all yeah. that. And, and, uh, you know, but you have to give that to yourself first. You know, you don't wait for the world to give it to you to then, then be happy. It's all, again, it's a inside out job. And if you want to start right now, if you're, you know, if you think, well, I have nothing, you know, I'm broke, I'm a loser, whatever, I can't give myself any love, I don't have anything, start with gratitude. That's something that I do as a daily practice. I look at three things in my life that I can be grateful for. And even if I'm having a completely awful day, I can always find one or two or three things to be grateful for. And it definitely lifts me out. You know, especially in America, if you're if you're listening from a place in America, you know, we are the one percent. We are wealthier than ninety nine percent of the rest of the world who's living in dire poverty. So at least you can say, Well, you know, I have water, I have food, 
I'm not, you know, homeless or whatever. And so there's always something you can be grateful for. And that that can help you get out of your head. Like you were talking about the the over analysis paralysis that we get the stories that we make up the yeah. overthinking that we create. Yeah, you know, there's this book called the Kahana Pono K A H A N A P O N O Kahana Pono. And uh, one of their exercises is called the five mahalos, the five thank yous. And that's when you're in that place that you think about five things you're grateful for. And, uh, you know, that helps you get into space because you can't be depressed and grateful at the same time. You can't hold two opposite thoughts in your brain. So if you're if you're being grateful for that moment, you can't be depressed in that moment. It's impossible, you know. So but, you know, they have a, this great concept of Hawaiian spirituality and uh, their metaphor is. Either you're in the canoe or you're out of the canoe. You know, if you're in the canoe, that means you're what you're in pono. You're in harmony, body, mind, spirit. But if you're out of the canoe, you're in the water, and you can't live out in the water for long. You can't survive out there. So the you know that's you know like being in the ditch. So the whole thing is getting back in the canoe. How do you get in the canoe? And that's what this book is. It's all tools of how do you get back in the canoe, right? Because you know even a physical canoe is hard to get back into. You know, if you're just on the lake and there's a canoe, you have to know how to get back to the fun canoe or, <laughs> yeah. you'll, or you'll tip it over. Or it flips over, yeah. Right, right. So the Kahanapono is all of, and it's a, such a wonderful metaphor about getting back in the canoe. But see, most people don't even know they're out of the canoe. That's one of the the first things you'll learn to distinguish, hey, I'm fucking out of the canoe. You know, and and you, and that's progress. Because so, what are some of so what are what are some of the signs that they're out they're out that people don't realize? Well, whenever you're, I don't know if you know who Byron Katie is, but she she has this book called Loving What Is, and it's on YouTube. She has a class with Oprah on there, and uh, she, and if you're suffering, you know, your natural state is joy, you know, and if you're not in that state. Even if it's mild irritation, you know, you don't have to be suffering like, you know, somebody just died. But even if you're just bugged, well, that's not a, that's not your joy place. So, you're, you know, you're not totally 100% off like if somebody died, you're like fucking devastated. But you're still, you know, you're suffering because you're irritated. You know, somebody pissed you off. You're or, not happy. You're not Yeah, joyful. yeah. In that moment, you know, you're, you're, not you're, you're not in that joy place. And so if you're out of that place, then you're out of the canoe, you know, because when you're walking or bopping around and everything's fucking cool... You know, you're in the canoe. You're, 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 you know, you're in Pono. And so it's being able to really monitor your inner self and go, hey, where am I? You know, am I in the canoe or not out of the canoe? You know, I have a friend of mine who's, you know, brilliant, you know, went to Harvard and got a PhD at Stanford, all that stuff. And she just told me the day I'm finally distinguishing when I'm out of the canoe and when I'm in the canoe. And that's just huge for me. And, you know, now I know what I'm not in there. Now, now I could t- make the effort to get back in by using these tools, like the five mahalos is one of them. You know, think about another one is called uh, hello, lesson, thank you, teacher. You know, when this thing happens to you, you're, 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 your main thought is, geez, hello, lesson, and thank you, teacher, whoever, you know, the, this asshole. Instead of going, oh, fucking asshole, what's this happening? You go, but he's yes, your teacher. What can I learn from this? Yeah, he's your, <laughs> and that gets you into Pono. That's a Pono. These are called Pono activators. How to get back in the canoe. That already gets you in such a higher place of consciousness. Like, hey, what's the lesson here for me? You know, you're not taking it personally. It's a higher place. Instead of, hey, that fucking asshole. How does that, you know, instead of going to a victim place, a blaming place, a making wrong play, a fault finding place. It's all about you and your growth. So, you know, the five mahalos and the... And that, what I just told you, there's a, there's a bunch of them, and they're all great. And if you know these things, one of them is called Choose Your Illusion, which is great. And the premise is that everything is an illusion, so choose yours. We're in the matrix. 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, all that stuff. And you know what? It's just the reason I love that book so much, again, the Gahana Pono, and you can look it up on, look up Pono on the internet or Huna, which is a Hawaiian spirituality, H-U-N-A. And uh, it says everything the power now says, except it says it in like 50 pages instead of 200 pages or whatever. I mean, you know. A lot of this is ancient knowledge that we've kind of forgotten with our, our crazy society, right? right. It's, oh, it's yeah. The, thousands the, yeah. of years old. Pre, certainly older than the by way, older than the by, yeah, this is ancient wisdom. And again, uh, the four agreements with Don McGill, that's Toltec wisdom. And that's what they call a Toltec uh, means spirit artist. So they consider themselves spirit. They call themselves spirit artists. And again, that wisdom is ancient. And and that's what I came to appreciate uh, when the Kahana Pono came into my life by coincidence or synchronicity, whatever, when I went to Hawaii. And uh, that gave me a real new appreciation for ancient wisdom. I mean, you know, I mean, history, recorded history is just like two weeks old. In the span of things. Yeah, I in mean, and people, things. we've got lost civilizations going on and shit. People knew sh- some deep, 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 deep shit that's been long forgotten. Now we're watching fucking Dancing with the Stars <laughs> and shit like there that. Was, there was like 5,000 years, I think, of Mayan um, uh, sacred books that were burned by um, the, the Spaniards and other cultures who had this wisdom passed on for thousands and thousands and thousands of years that was lost. So there's definitely information out there that we can use in our modern day and still applies. I want to... Well, well, <laughs> well, what gets me, you know, is that there's just a lack of interest in most people. Like, like when I've read this material, for me, I drank it up, because maybe I needed the healing, but I drank it up like, a, you know, a man on fire sinks a bucket of water. <laughs> you know, all this stuff. And when I would read it, I, I would just marvel. i go, how come everybody's not reading this shit? Everybody's, you know, how, how come people are not flocking to this shit? You know, this is what truly matters. This stuff, all that other stuff, the material world is just, uh, you know, an illusion, you know. And, uh, you know, and I I talk to people. This is my favorite subject, so I could talk for hours on it. But I never approach people with it who aren't ready for it or have no interest because, because they're, they, just, they're yeah. just not ready for it, you know. And it's just not their time. We're all in a certain place on the path, and they're not in that place yet, you know. But... Uh, you know, it's all about self-mastery to me, you know. That's what it's about, getting control of yourself and, and loving yourself. That's what it's really about, learning how to love yourself uh, unconditionally, you know. And, and that's what aloha, that's what the aloha spirit is about. I want to talk to you about spirituality because you're a comedian and you're also, from what I've gathered, a very intelligent person. And I noticed that a lot of people who are um, creative types or writers or or comedians and very intelligent tend to dismiss a lot of the stuff and go more towards um, atheism and saying that the stuff isn't logical and the stuff isn't, you know, practical. And I find the opposite to be true because, you know, a lot of times, first of all, they're, they're now doing so many studies on a lot of this ancient wisdom and showing that there is scientific research to back the positive effects of gratitude, like we talked about, and, and right. getting out of your head and other things. How has this information helped you grow and learn and open your mind, actually, to becoming more thoughtful and more intelligent in, in your thinking? Well, first of all, it has nothing to do re- with religion. So you can be an atheist and totally embrace this, you know, has nothing to do with religion. As a matter of fact, I am a former atheist, and I, I think if you are a free-thinking person— you have to go through atheism 
you know i agree i was a former atheist as well yeah so you go yeah because to me that whole yeah the whole bible i still don't believe in the bible you know the Bible's one of the most boring books I've ever read in my life. <laughs> Seriously, and I'm a reader, and I've read every thick Russian novel there is. War and right? Peace. I've read War and Peace. I've read Crime. I've read them all. I've read Crimes and Punishment. I've read Anna Karenina and all. I've read all those books. And I, because I'm a bookworm, right? And I've tried to read the Bible on more than one occasion, and I cannot get through. I just have to, like, all boring books I can't finish. I have to just go to the last page, <laughs> see what happened. And, uh, turns out everything's going to be all right. So... But all the these and the those, and then you begat this, and you know I can't even get behind that shit. So anyway, this this knowledge and this information transcends religion; has nothing to do with religion whatsoever. You know, the closest thing this would come to is Star Wars. May the Force be with you. <laughs> You know? I just wanted to make that clarification because sometimes when atheists hear the word spiritual or spiritual knowledge, they kind of shut down. Or that's been my experience. Well, that's ignorance because we're all spiritual beings, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. That doesn't make it less true. You know, if you don't know it, so what? You know, but uh, again, I know people shy away from that. But they're just for me there. I believe there's more invisible than visible going on. You know, and I just got it. Uh, had this debate with someone. They were saying, well, I've, you know, they were an atheist. And I, I was saying because I had a near-death experience with my heart, I told you about, and I, and I was saying the reason I didn't die because it wasn't my time to die. And I don't believe anybody dies before their time, whether you're one or 100. I think it's kind of all sort of written. And this person was vehement that, you know, you just die has nothing to do with anything, and they were just a straight atheist, and they, you know, said that they got all for their information from some book by a guy named Richard Dawkins, who I've never heard of. And I'm saying... And, you know, he was so kind of saying, well, you got to read a book. And I'm saying, hey, yeah, you just read one book, all right? <laughs> I read dude, like 50. <laughs> dude, you need to keep reading, okay? You know, you can't let any one book say, hey, this is the truth, and that, that's it. You know, if you're that close-minded, you know, you got to keep investigating this stuff. But for me, the question is, how big is your world? You know, it, you know, with some people, you can talk to about multidimensionality. You know, that's the, you know, you got a big fucking world when you talk about multidimensions. Other people, that's just straight crazy talk. You know, reincarnation, you know, that's just straight crazy talk to some people. But that, that notion's older than Christ, and it actually was in the Bible and was edited out of the Bible at one time. They didn't want that shit in there, right? But so all this knowledge goes back to way before Christ or, you know, any kind of religion. I, I, I'm, I'm not religious at all. As a matter of fact, I always say, I just thank God we had no religion in my house. <laughs> You know, because that would have really <laughs> fucked me up. So I think all free thinkers have to start out as being atheists. And I always said that uh, Jesus was just Santa Claus for adults. As far as <laughs> you know, like, hey, if it be good, you're going to get the present. You, you know, he knows who's naughty and nice. And that, that is the big metaphor. But I believe in the, in the Christ consciousness. You know, I don't believe that he was the son of God any more than I am or you are. You know, I don't believe in the virgin birth. I don't believe in Noah and all these fairy tales and all this shit. But I do believe in uh, the power of love and in forgiveness and, you know, some of these uh, principles that, you know, that were taught way before Jesus was around, you know. So has nothing to do, you know, I, I think it's about aligning yourself. Who you, you know, Where are you going to align yourself with the, you know, either you're a Jedi Knight or, you know, <laughs> you're, you're unconscious. And if you're unconscious, you're on the dark team, you know. You're on the, and I, I'm, I'm on the light. I'm on the light side. So I want to talk about some of the information in your book um, because we have to wrap up soon. 
And you say, you know, sometimes I'll see a guy on TV or I'll see someone just going through it. And I wish that they had the knowledge that I could share with them to help them through this um, breakup. So what is some of the information that you suggest for people who are really going through some severe emotional pain body regarding relationships? Well, I would first say to just to trust uh, your life and know that uh, it's by no accident. And for me, I came to realize after the fact that every relationship that didn't work out for me that I really wanted to have but just didn't work out every time, and I'm talking about 100% of the time, turned out to be a huge blessing where I thanked God later on. I go, thank God that didn't work out. <laughs> you know, because then I realized, you know what? The universe knows what's better for me than I know what's better, you know, what's good for me. I thought I know what was good, but, but thank God every relationship that didn't work out, I see the blessing in it now. And, you know, once you get on the other side of your heartache and pain, you'll see that, you know. And so this time, it's all about you, though, about learning your lessons and about loving yourself, you know. And again, no external will be your salvation. This person's not going to be the answer to your problems, you know. You know, again, it comes back to you are the love that you're looking for. And the other thing I realized, too, you know, uh, about before you get your heart broke. That's that's the thing. I'm, you know, this book is a lot about pre- preventative. You know, when you see a hole in the ground, you fucking walk around it. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and and for me, I think one of the most valuable things was is again a Zen principle about paying attention. It's all about paying attention, especially in the beginning. The red flags, you mean? Yes, and all those. You know, and a lot of times we ignore those. You know, and when you know my favorite line from the Simon and Garfunkel song, uh, the boxer says. Uh, uh, all lies and jest, still a man hears what he wants to hear and he disregards the rest. So people hear and see what they want to see and hear, but, you know, you really have to pay attention to those, uh, to everything, you know, especially in the beginning, what people say, when people go, oh, I'm so crazy. And then they go, oh, no, you're not, you're not crazy. And then they pull some really crazy shit on you. And you go, oh, man, they told me they were crazy. Why the fuck was I listening? You know, because, you know, you weren't listening, you weren't paying attention. And the other thing I, I came to learn that's so important, I think, you know, that just like in real estate, they say, uh, you know, one of the great principles is location, location, location. I think in relationships, it's identity, identity, identity. Who is that person behind yes. those eyes you're dealing with? And you have to find out the sickest thing about that person and see if you can accept that and then then go ahead. You know, but people are expert at hiding that sick shit, you know, especially the first couple months. Or they put on the the dating put face. On, yeah, that's why you got to pay attention, especially in the beginning, and go with your gut feeling, you know. But it is about paying attention and finding out who that person is, because you know, a lot of times, you know, like 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 they say, you can't be betrayed. Uh, you, you know, uh, you can only be betrayed by somebody who's close to you. You know, enemies don't betray you because you never trust them in the first place. Betrayal is when somebody goes against your trust, especially when somebody's close to you and. You know, in the hero's journey, I don't know if you're familiar with that, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. And uh, they study that at Disney. Now, Disney executives have to read this book about the hero's journey because it's all about the steps that you go through, you know, like like Star Wars. You know, there's a hero who gets called to adventure. You know, you get called to go out there and do something like Luke Skywalker. Mm -hmm. But then the hero refuses the call. But then some shit happens that it makes you do it. Like his uncle dies or his aunt, you know, his parents die. Something pushes him towards Pushes, yeah. Pushes you out there. And then all these things and characters, archetypes that you meet, like the ally and the shapeshifter, 
you know, all these people. And the shapeshifter in the hero's journey is a lot of times your romantic partner, this person who was, you know, your closest to you, and then they just turn into a demon on you, you know. <laughs> and so, again, uh, you know, so again, it was about identity. Who is you? God, I would never thought they'd do that. Well, you didn't know that person well enough. You know, you weren't, weren't paying attention. And one of my favorite quotes about that is from a, a Southern writer named Eudora Welty. She was a Southern writer, and she said, getting to know somebody it's like developing a picture in a dark room that all you have to do is wait and watch and people will reveal themselves. People do reveal themselves and they typically reveal themselves very early on. And that's why a lot of times when not just you, Jackson, but other people, myself included, get out of relationships, you look back and you go, you know, they kind of did that in the beginning or they kind of said, remember when, you know, so-and-so said she was crazy, like you said, or so-and-so said they, they were jealous. Right. And a lot of times we want love so desperately because we're not healed inside that we say, oh, well, I knew he was jealous, but I thought, oh, I can handle it. Or I knew he, she was crazy, but I thought, oh, well. Yes. And my metaphor for that, I say it's like buying, picking a partner is buying, like buying clothes off the rack. All right. <laughs> okay. If you don't like how it fits, the price, the size, the style, well, you know what? Leave it there. <laughs> Because it fits somebody else perfectly. Don't get it home. Try to tailor it to your liking and shit, all right? You know, just leave it there. Find something that fits you. And, it, and that's what it's about. That's finding so a true. fit. Finding, yeah. a, uh, finding a true fit, you know? But again... And some people are so desperate for clothes, they'll just take anything off the rack. And that's not anything, good. <laughs> and it doesn't fit. And it has a stain you know, on it. It's fitting. It's too big. It's too small. And what do they do? They keep it on and they complain about it. Exactly. And they make the other person wrong. They go, this is a really it, ugly it, yellow yeah. shirt. And they, I wanted a pink shirt. Well, yeah. you bought a yellow shirt. Yeah. And <laughs> what they do is they do the three C's. They complain, they condemn, and they criticize instead of doing the three A's. Uh, accepting, allowing, and appreciating. So again... About finding your fit. So if the person doesn't fit, uh, you know, fucking move on and let them let, let them find somebody else. But yeah, the whole identity thing was big, and I so I'm very aware of people's character that I I tr- look at and try to you know get a vibe on that. That's that's what it's about. And again, finding the sickest thing, you know, because and then and then sex has a lot to do with it too. Finding you know uh, somebody who's sexually compatible with you, I think, is really huge. Uh, Mark Twain again talked about this, about, uh, you know, if you're uh, a tortoise, you have to find another tortoise. I'm paraphrasing here. So you have to <laughs> okay. find another tortoise. Because if you're a tortoise, you know, because, you know, tortoise, they only fuck once a year. You know, they get sexy like once a year. <laughs> okay. if you're a tortoise married to a rabbit, you know, things are not going to work out. But tortoise stay together for life for over 100 years. Yeah, sometimes. so find yourself a tortoise. Don't hook it with a rabbit and go, Jesus, man, they want to fuck all the time. Or, uh, they or go, that rabbit's enough. a hoe. Or, yeah, or do all that <laughs> stuff. So, again, it's about finding uh, finding your match. But for me, again, <clears throat> my thing, I don't know, you know, my people might see it as passive. But, you know, my thing now, again, especially since my near-death experience, uh, my only goal and ambition is again to live aloha and live my highest truth and see what shows up, see who actually physically shows up at my door. And you know the latest person to do that, you, you actually showed up in my driveway. <laughs> I'm here. Yes, and that's what happened with my girlfriend. Now she actually showed up. You know, and so I look at that who actually physically shows up. You know, and and what they bring. And and the reason I agreed to do this with you is because. You know, we start talking about positivity. And when you told me that thing about your consciousness is about, you know, giving on stage and not being bugged if they don't get it or not. And it's more about you, you know, contributing, giving, you know, that's really a beautiful thing. And, that, and, that, and that's 
too rare. And so I'm here to support anybody with that consciousness. You know, that's the, that's the message that needs to be put out there. You know, it's a paradigm that needs to be changed, you know, instead of this taking all the time. And, you know, because that, that doesn't make anybody happy. You know, that gets people desperate. and It does. And it causes a lot of pain. I've seen a lot of people, like I said, in my, in my 12 years in stand-up, I've, which isn't that long in the scheme of stand-up. But I've had friends, you know, shoot up to quick stardom and and it doesn't bring them happiness. What it does, because they're focusing on it so much, is more anxiety because they're fear of losing the stardom. And then they, they got to keep keep it up and keep it up and keep it up and keep it up. And they're not realizing, first of all, stardom can, and fame can be an amazing thing if you use it for good. They, they are now role model and can be using it for good, but instead they're feeding their own little ego. And so what happens is one plus one equals disaster. <laughs> Well, that's one of those be careful what you wish for things. You yeah. know, I know some people that the worst thing that ever happened to them is they got some success and now they're dead. They're actually not with us anymore. And, and I think about them sometimes and I think, geez, you know, the best thing that could have happened to them if they were just not been never got it, quote unquote, successful. Yeah. But again, we have to define the term success. What is success to, you know, you, you know, so everybody has to, to me, success has always been about living life on my own terms. Like I told you, you know, I always say that I live the life of a millionaire without the million. <laughs> and I tell you, my friend said, no, you live the life of a trust fund millionaire. And the regular millionaire's got to get out there and do some shit and keep it going. But, uh, you know, so I've lived life on my own terms all my life. You know, stand-up comedy has literally saved my life, literally and figuratively saved my life because I don't know how to do anything else. I've been doing this all my adult life and I'm 57 now. So I've been doing this 30, you know, seven years or something. So, uh, yes, you know, I'm just in it for the love of it now. Well, that is some amazing knowledge and information from Jackson. His upcoming book is called Man on Fire. And guys, where can people find you, Jackson? Are you on Facebook? Where where can people find you? Yeah, I'm on Facebook and you could find me at the YMCA in Hollywood playing basketball. (laughs) Yeah, so Facebook, Jackson Purdue and, uh, you know, like that and. That's it. And do you have any upcoming shows or? Well, I, you know, I'm going to be at the Pachanga Casino in a couple of weeks. And, you know, I work at the Laugh Factory on a regular basis uh, in Hollywood and in uh, Long Beach. And uh, so, yeah, the, my next gigs are, and I work in Vegas a lot at the Tropicana there and uh, the Riviera and Sin City Comedy Club at Planet Hollywood. And he also has a CD called Half White Trash. Half White Trash, baby. <laughs> Um, guys, this has been Out of the Box Podcast with Rosie Tran. Don't forget to visit outofthebox.podcast.com and click on the support button. We're now accepting Bitcoins and Litecoins for all of you alt currency users, and it helps keep the podcast going. As always, we're on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And don't forget to visit our sponsor, hugmetees.com. Spread love, give a hug, hugmetees.com. This has been Out of the Box Podcast with Rosie Tran. Mm-hmm.